Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. My name is Jared St. Clair and I'm your host each and every week. And on this particular show, I've got not one but two guests, both of which are returning to Vitality Radio after being on at least a couple of times previously. And I am really happy to have them back. I don't always invite people back to the show. Uh, sometimes I invite people back because they're amazing. Sometimes they coerce me or blackmail me. I won't say what happened today, but regardless, I've got two amazing people for you to listen to. We're going to talk all about herbs. Now, there are so many herbs in the kingdom of uh, plant medicine that it would be impossible to spend... I don't think we could have any enough podcasts to go through all of them. Some of them you've heard of, many of them you've heard of. And what's really interesting to me in the 46 years that Vitality Nutrition has been a thing and the 15 years that Vitality Radio has been a thing, um, I have talked about so many herbs. And yet, on today's show, we'll talk about at least five that I've never spent significant time talking about. And what's interesting in this this wide world of herbalism, this uh, natural medicine world, you know, in pharmaceutical medicine, we hear all the time, and in America especially, because they advertise it directly to us here, uh, where they don't in most of the world, uh, these pharmaceuticals that are coming out that are for, you know, a specific condition or whatever, and there's always a new drug. There's always a new drug for this or for that or whatever else. But interestingly enough, while there are no new herbs, there are new discoveries in herbalism that are really exciting. And today I've got a couple of those for you, some things that I think you're really going to want to know about, because of course, herbal medicine is near and dear to my heart. And I have to assume if you're listening to Vitality Radio, it's pretty good for you as well. So we're going to dive into all that stuff today. I want to go ahead and remind you that if you have questions about anything that you hear on Vitality Radio, you can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. You can also jump on vitalitynutrition.com. We have a chat feature there if you want to chat with us, or you can just uh, zip around and check things out. And of course, if you're listening on local radio, then please consider checking out the podcast. You get two shows a week instead of one. And of course, you can go back and listen to specific things. You can share it with your friends and family. And we do some pretty cool stuff on the podcast that we don't do on local radio. And without further ado, let's introduce our guest. So the first guest, uh, I'll go by uh, seniority, meaning how long they've been on the planet here. Okay, so we're going to start with Max Willis. Max has been on the show at least a few times uh, over the years and is one of the few people uh, here in Utah that actually listen to my show from time to time. 
I, I hope that's not actually true. But Max is the director of innovation at uh, Solaray. Now, I've got a long history with Solaray. My father used to be uh, the marketing director at Solaray years ago for the original owner, Jim Beck. My brother was a Solaray rep and sold uh, Solaray's herbs into stores. So we go way back with Solaray and uh, still love the brand, still love the people at the brand. Max Willis, welcome to Vitality Radio. Thank you, Jared. And we're celebrating our 50th year this year. It was founded in 1973. So happy to talk yeah, about Yeah, a year after I was born. I just turned 51 yesterday. Wow. So uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, we, uh, we, we both go way back. And then our next guest is Nikita Austin. Now, Nikita is much, 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 much younger than Max <laughs> and I. In fact, either of us could be her father, grandfather, maybe great grandfather. I don't know. She's very young, but she's also very intelligent, very well informed when it comes to herbs. You've heard her talk about herbs on Vitality Radio before. Nikita, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Thank you for having me back. And you are right. I am much, 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 much younger than both of you. That is so true. But it's really probably more of just the supplements I'm taking that make it appear that way. Uh -huh. I'm not that much younger than you. We guys. both know you're a millennial and that <laughs> is not something we'll hold against you, although we certainly could. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation. Let's start off with, uh, well, actually, I'm going to ask you both a question that I'm curious about. I mentioned in the uh, monologue that I did the really exciting new news that uh, continues to come out about specific herbs. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember when omega-3 wasn't found in a capsule yet. Uh, you had to drink really nasty tasting cod liver oil back in the day. Um, I remember when glucosamine came onto the market. I remember when melatonin came onto the market and DHEA and so many other things. Um, but again, those things were I guess they weren't technically new discoveries, but they were new in, you know, kind of the supplement world and nobody had ever heard of them before. I remember when melatonin came out, I'd never heard. Of, I didn't know what melatonin was. Uh, but these herbs are interesting because lots of these things, we're going to talk about dandelion today. Everybody knows about that, but maybe not everybody knows how great dandelion is. But when you hear about something like, say, saffron, which is the first herb we're going to discuss, uh, when you first hear, oh, saffron's got some new research that could help with this and this and this. Is it, are you guys like me where it just gets really exciting when there's a new discovery in this area? Ladies first. I'll, okay, I was going to say, I'll leave, that, I'll leave that one for sure. I mean, I, I definitely think it's very exciting. We're, I mean, we're a bunch of science nerds, right? We get really giddy when there's something that's not necessarily new to the planet, but it's new in information, new in discoveries. And that's what's so cool is that they continue to study herbs. And there are so many parts of a plant right? We have the root, we have the seeds, we have the leaves. Like what, what part are we going to study now that we discover something new? And so saffron is going to be so much fun because we've always sold it too, but not from the perspective that we're going to delve into today. Awesome. How about you, Max? Yeah, I agree. And I was surprised when I saw my friend, uh, the medicine hunter, Chris Killam on Ye Saint Laurent, the fashion brand, launch a new uh, cosmetic product that used saffron and so we're seeing a lot of new applications of herbs, not just the way we traditionally use them in capsule format or in the old days with your dad running the health food stores in loose format, but now mm -hmm. topically uh, in all the different plant parts and with saffron, a unique part plant um, than is normally used. Awesome. So let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Saffron is something that, like I said, with uh, you know, some of these other things that were 
kind of recent discoveries, uh, just starting to get some research done on them over the years. When saffron uh, started to be promoted to me as someone who owns a store that sells herbs, of course, I'd heard of saffron. I knew kind of what saffron was, but I hadn't heard of it as really a medicinal thing. Uh, and so I was just as curious, I think, as anyone else about, you know, what is this herb for and, and how are we using it? I think the first thing that came to my mind too, when they were like, oh, saffron, I'm like, okay, this is something that's usually very expensive in stores, right? Mm -hmm. you, you normally buy it in like a glass tincture and there's like maybe one or two little pieces in there. And I'm thinking, if I put this in a supplement, is this going to cost a ton of money as well? Like that was the first thing I worried about, right? Because Max and I and Rachel as a team, we are making supplements all day long, but we want it to be effective, but we want it to be costly. And the cool thing about saffron is any of the studies that we go into today or the benefits we talk about are done at a 28 milligram dose, which is so tiny. Typically, when we think about an herb or just any kind of dose in general, it could be from 250 milligrams to 500 to 1,000, right? And in this case, you only needed 28 milligrams of saffron to get the different benefits. And I thought I would lead this conversation because one of the reasons when you said, Nikita, let's talk about herbs and what's some of the new ones, I really wanted to talk about saffron because we just formulated actually a whole line in Solaray that includes saffron. And the reason I wanted to lead it is because it's an entire woman's health line. So anything from premenstrual symptoms to menstruating to perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause, saffron was one of the ingredients that when that line, it's, it's brand new, so it hasn't even come out yet, we haven't launched it, but it'll be sooner than later, is it, we carried it through the whole formula and it had a ton of clin clinical data supporting cramping, supporting hormones, supporting all the things that are premenstrual symptom related, which honestly, if I gave you the list, <laughs> it's like Santa Claus's naughty list. You know, it drops down every symptom that is a premenstrual symptom is anything from a headache to a bloating to a cramping. And saffron was extremely effective at supporting mood and supporting a lot of the symptoms throughout the body. And not just for premenstrual symptoms, but some of those symptoms are actually the same when we look at perimenopause. When you're in perimenopause as well, you're almost like half in this premenstrual state and kind of half turning into menopause where you don't have it anymore. You still get the headaches. You still get the mood swings. You still get um, an irregular cycle. And so it was really cool because, again, very effective from anyone who's a teenager that wants premenstrual symptom and menstruation support but because it also supports your mood really effectively. We wanted to carry it through the entire line all the way to postmenopause because we're thinking, all right, the one thing we wanna keep stable in this is our mood. The symptoms could vary, but if a girl goes from, you know, I'm I'm 38, I'm on my period, and now I've hit 45, and I've actually gone into you know perimenopause or, or menopause, it's something that will be consistent for them no matter which product they take, really supporting their mood. So that was one aspect of it that I wanted to mention. There's also sleep, which Max, if you if you want to jump on sleep, you're you're welcome to, or I can even close this one out um, for the time being. But sleep was another huge one, and that's another thing that again, sleep in general, no matter who you are. But going back to women and the different symptoms that we get, we struggle with sleep, whether it's pain related, whether it's hot flash related, mood related, stress related. Sleep is such a big thing. So not only did 28 milligrams of saffron support premenstrual symptoms and menopausal symptoms, but ultimately it supported a greater restful sleep 
um, overall. Yeah, Jared, I don't know if you uh, want to delve into sleep or one of the other categories. What interests you the most? Well, let's talk a, a little bit about uh, the mood enhancing things, because I will say uh, that one of the great things about Vitality Radio for me as the host of the show is, in fact, I had somebody just asking me yesterday um, in the store who's actually a rep from another brand. And he said, how do you know all the stuff that you know? And I said, you know, most of what I've learned, like really, really learned has been from the last 15 years of doing this show, because you got to dig in way deeper if you're going to do shows like this and and really, frankly, not sound like an idiot when you're when you're doing it. So I spend, you know, hours every week producing these shows and, and writing these shows. And yet I get I, I just had a, a guest on just a couple of weeks ago talking about iodine, who taught me a lot about iodine that I never knew before. And I was excited about this episode because there are two herbs in particular, saffron being one, that I feel like I know just a little bit about. And I really want to understand more. My understanding of saffron coming into this recording is that it is primarily a kind of a mood balancing, mood enhancing thing. Um, I haven't read or seen a bunch on what it can do for uh, the female symptoms that you're talking about, the hormone imbalances, things like that. So that's very uh, intriguing to me. Uh, and I haven't read a whole bunch about it on sleep. So I definitely want to dive into those. But I say all that because I'm curious, as far as people who aren't necessarily concerned about mood uh, having to do with you know that time of the month or hormonal uh, issues that they're dealing with, or men that are dealing with uh, things that are you know mood related, does saffron still apply? Yeah. So I think what they saw in an early study, well, early is 2008 for me, um, there was a PMS study where they looked at the luteal phase of the time of the month. And so the luteal phase mm -hmm. is when your progesterone is building, there should be implantation and the, and the progesterone is there to nourish a developing um, egg. If that doesn't happen, then there's a sudden drop a few days before PMS and progesterone just drops to the floor. And what happens is the serotonin levels are affected during that drop in progesterone. And saffron was shown in the study with 50 women uh, taking it for six months that it reduced these symptoms by 50% when taking that dose that Nikita mentioned at just 28 milligrams. And so it affected the serotonin levels. Um, with sleep, you mentioned melatonin and, and what a thing that was when that came out. A lot of people ask us, how do we find a melatonin alternative? Because I don't want to take a synthetic hormone as a supplement. I want a more natural route. And melatonin is one of those things that it's hard to find at a, at a decent potency naturally. But saffron was shown to increase the endogenous production of melatonin by 25%. And we know that as we age, especially women in uh, menopause and postmenopause, their melatonin production just drops. So that half a microgram or milligram that would have worked before is just not going to do the job. So you need to either make more internally or take some externally. And saffron uh, increased all the metrics on uh, a certain measurement called uh, Pittsburgh Sleep Diary that showed significant improvement in sleep parameters. Um, enhancing restorative sleep uh, throughout the night. So incredible for serotonin, for mood, for sleep, producing melatonin naturally. Um, and then there was a 2021 menopause study that showed that how it affected the vasomotor 
reactions in a woman when she starts going through those perimenopausal and menopausal years and her ovaries are not making estrogen and then the body starts wigging out and you get those night sweats or hot flashes and the saffron was shown to decrease that by 32 percent in this one particular study of 82 adults so this is real science you know and we know that and you know this jared and you talk about this all the time that you know, all these terrible drugs today that are patented, that are that are not good for us. You, know, you take one to counteract the effects of another. All of this started with herbs and plants. And then we found a way to change their composition and to make them synthetic and not natural. We can go back to herbs at getting the benefits of nature without taking all these other pills to alleviate the side effects that drugs cause. So love saffron and what we're finding out about it. Awesome. And all of that stuff that you're talking about was at 28 milligrams. Those studies were done in the same dosage range. Yep. And saffron, by the way, it's the most expensive spice in the world. So if you buy it, you don't want to spill it on the ground or lose it in the back of your cabinet. And the part of the plant that's used is called the stigma. There's three uh, pistils that come out of the flower of crocus sativa, which is saffron. And it's very delicate and they have to be harvested at a particular time of the year, typically neither Iran or Spain. And um, we, we just find it exciting that we have new research and new purposes for saffron. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so then as far as sleep goes, I know I'm going to get this question. If someone is using it because they're dealing with some PMS issues, or they're using it for menopausal issues or for mood issues, um, taking it during the day is going to make someone sleepy or not necessarily? I'm going to, I'll go on that one, Max. I would say, I wouldn't think of it like melatonin, where you take melatonin, right, this hormone, and it's it's going to knock you out, most likely put you to sleep. I Saffron's absolutely going to help with sleep more of a restful state of sleep, more quality sleep overall. But I wouldn't worry of it as in, Okay, for example, when we formulated this, we did add it into our products, like I said, the woman's line, but that are also required to take in the, in the day. So, I mean, you could take one in the morning. And it's not necessarily going to just put your body to sleep. When your body's in a state to, you know, receive um, the naturally occurring melatonin in the body to go to sleep, it's going to kind of enhance that. But during the day, I wouldn't worry about it. If you do want to take it for sleep, though, I would encourage it to be an hour before you go to sleep. That's what the clinical studies had shown as well. They suggested taking it an hour before bed because ultimately, right, we want to give it time to break down, to dissolve in the body and start to be active. So an hour before sleep would be perfect. And ultimately, it's going to enhance your sleep as far as better quality of sleep, um, restful state of sleep as well. All right. And then I'm going to ask you one other question about saffron, because this came up in my research on it. There is some evidence, apparently, that it's been used traditionally as a um, aphrodisiac, uh, specifically in men, and uh, potentially can help with um, with blood flow or erectile issues. Is are you aware of anything there? Yeah. um, The if you look at saffron, it's bright red and we know that beets are known uh, to produce nitric oxide. There is a little bit of a nitric oxide effect with saffron, um, but it's not talked about as much. So I would say that if you really want something for libido, I would look at a Tonkatali or maca or tribulus or something that's more targeted there. Uh, saffron will okay. 
improve your mood too. And if you have a better mood, you're going to have uh, better desires and uh, libido as well. Okay. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I didn't really know it from that perspective. I mean, like I said, in the past when we've sold saffron, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to even look back, I think at natural balance and stuff. We had it typically around weight management is, is usually where I would see saffron. And then now, like I said, I mean, it still has a weight management benefit, but the studies are now significantly, you know, or they're showing significant improvement in women's health in sleep and in mood. That's where I've been studying the most. But I, I'm interested now with aphrodisiac because libido is also a whole nother you know, category that fits in that sector. But ultimately, I, I'll go with Max on that, right? If your mood's better and you're sleeping better, you'll probably be, you know, more ready to go. So fair enough. Why not? Okay, so let's talk about the next one on the list that um, I'm going to guess most people have not heard of this one. I think most people have heard of saffron, at least as a spice. I'm guessing we just uh, got a lot of people thinking about it as a medicine as well. But this one, uh, scaletium, is one of the words for it, but it came across my desk the first time under the word kava, the name, or sorry, not kava, kana, K-A-N-N-A. Um, tell us about this one. I'll start this one too, Max, and then I'll, we'll do that. I'll, maybe I'll start some in pan. We'll Ladies live, but, first, um, always. Go ahead. Why not, right? Scaletium tortuosum. It's such a fun word to say. <laughs> I really enjoy that one. Um, you know, the thing with scaletium was, Prior to us working on a project, was it last year, I think now, was the Solar A Sharp Mind Collection, where we worked on, a, um, we were focusing on all things Vegas health, uh, Vegas nerve related, and we created a formula for mood and energy and sleep and all this. That's when Scaletium Tortuosum came to fruition for me. I was like, oh, what is this, right? And what was really incredible about it is it's very, very supportive for mood health. But what really caught my attention was the branded name for Scaletium that we see most often in the health food space and supplements is called Zembrin, like with a Z, Zembrin. So if you ever see Zembrin on the front, that raw material in it is Scaletium. When we launched the uh, mood formula in Sharp Mind, which is where the Scaletium goes into, I noticed immediately out of all the five SKUs that we were selling, that one had some of the highest purchase orders out of any of them. And I'm like, okay, I know our mood is like off, but so is our stress and our sleep. Like why would that one sell out more than anything? And as I started to delve in and talk to more of our health food stores um, locally, both in Utah and here in Arizona, they were like, Nikita, there are so many people, so many customers that come in who are not on an SSRI, who are not taking their own antidepressants, but instead they've been taking Zambrin for so long and it has absolutely sustained kind of a better mood for them, helped them overall with their depression. And I didn't realize how vital that ingredient was in our industry, how many people were taking it. And at the time that we launched it, there was actually an out of stock on one of the other companies that would sell it. So as soon as we launched, everybody was ordering as many as they could in order to get into their store because so many customers take it every day, the same way you would with an SSRI if you were prescribed it. So that was like one of the first things for me. I was I, you know, again, I, I was studying it. I was really interested in it. Mood is always a big category for me. I'm always really open when it comes to mental health. I suffer, suffer with severe depression. And so this category is always one that's very close to home for me. And again, really, really intrigued because I've been on an SSRI for a long time and I've been wanting to get off and try something new. Um, and I thought, you know, Zembrin seems to be that one in our industry that people use it comparatively, you know, in replace of that. So that was just my kind of start to it. Um, Max, I didn't know if you wanted to 
to jump in more about it and, you know, how we added it in, in our formulas. Yeah, Jared had a very good comment at first, you know, like there's not a lot of new discoveries with herbs in general. This one came from South Africa. It's a succulent. And back to my friend, Chris Killam, the medicine hunter, he saw me at a show in Florida and he said, Max, have you heard of Scaletium yet? And I, I thought a skull cap or I don't know what this is. And he started showing me some of the early research on it and how it was basically nature's SSRI inhibitor. And it got me really excited to dig deeper into it. And, but the industry wasn't really sure about it because it wasn't used prior to 1994 in the food supply. And, and we know that, you know, supplements are grandfathered in if they've been used before 94, that's Deshae. And that wasn't the case with Scaletium. So there were a lot of legal and other issues with it. And so there have been studies now, safety studies, and we've learned how it affects the amygdala, the hypothalamus in the brain, how it is as an SSRI inhibitor. And one more thing, there's a mechanism of action about Scaletium that's fascinating and it's called PDE4 and phosphodiesterase 4. And it's kind of like an SSRI inhibitor, but it works uh, in a more comprehensive way. A lot of drugs that are SSRIs like Abilify and these antidepressants may work for one, but not another patient because they're very targeted. They're very specific. And Skeletium has a broader approach. So we feel that it will help uh, a wider range of people um, with these two mechanisms of action. So again, super cool. Um, and this Zembrin developed by PL Thomas has been the main Skeletium in the industry. And that's the one we use in Solarate. And what, what formulas have you included that in then? So Nikita mentioned the Sharp Mind uh, Mood Formula, and it's one of our best-selling uh, in this new line of nootropics that we launched. I think it's been about a year and a half now. So Solaray Sharp Mind Mood. Okay, so it is just in the one formula right Correct. now. I thought, I thought it sounded like you'd alluded to a couple. Okay. And then uh, the... The next question I have then with that one is a dosage. We talked a lot about the very small dose we need with um, saffron. What's the, what are the clinicals showing us on Zembrin? It is 25. Just 25? 25 milligrams. Okay. And is that uh, kind of the standard dose that they've been using in their studies is 25 once a day, twice a day? Yes. 25 milligrams once a day. Once a day. Okay. Awesome. All right. And um, is there anything else? Uh, well, one other question then, I guess. So you've got 25 milligrams of, of Zembrin or Skeletium or Kana, depending on who you ask. Um, all the same thing, different names. Uh, but Zembrin is the one that's got the clinical proof behind it. Uh, you mentioned, of course, uh, stress and depression and things like that. Uh, is this one that people might consider pairing with saffron? Is there a reason not to do that? I, I don't see why not. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of different things you could, you know, certainly pair in the herbal wor world, you know, assuming that there's no contraindications with any meds that you'd be taking. But I mean, certainly, you know, when your mood's affected, your sleep is affected as well and vice versa. I think co combining them both for mood at minimum would be great. And then assuming that your, your, you know, your mood is affecting your sleep as well. 
then you get the added benefit benefits. Oh, I like that. Added benefits of the saffron also supporting the sleep. And what's one thing I wanted to add about the Zembrin as well is that one of the things that I was reading here is that it does not have any addictive properties. And sometimes you think, oh, well, natural medicine, natural medicine doesn't have addictive properties, but that's not always the case, right? Like your body can become dependent on things like melatonin or different herbs if you have things like constipation. And so it's just, just as a forewarning in case you're worried about it or have sensitivities in general, there's no addictive properties in it. So there wouldn't be any issues where, again, taking an SSRI, you can create a dependence on it. So just wanted to state that for anyone that wanted to try it, maybe was worried about how long do I have to try it or can I just stop? it's safe to take it. All right. And then the last question I'd have for you on that one is, is it something that people can notice fairly quickly? Does it take some time to kick in? What have the studies showed us there? Almost immediately, uh, the early samples we received, you know, we're, we're the first guinea pigs on everything we develop. And mm -hmm. I took scoletium and it almost revved me up. And I want to just, I had this energy that was kind of different. Um, now I don't have depression, so I don't have a problem of, of, you know, retaining serotonin or losing it. But for me, it gave me a lot of like mental clarity and I just wanted to, you know, go run a mile, come back, work on things, organize a closet. Like it was this really weird sensation that was very motivating for me. Um, so you just never know how someone's going to react uh, to some of these things, but very positive. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to try it. The urge to organize a closet is very rare in my life, and so maybe that would get me there. I did just recently re rearrange and organize my pantry, though, and that was without the assistance of Zimbabwean. <laughs> so uh, it just goes to show that sometimes you can just get stuff done if you really want to. Yep. All right, so that one's fascinating to me. I'm going to have to dig deeper into that. Uh, anything that gives a potential uh, option versus SSRIs is a good idea for me. Let's go old school. Um, there's a guy in my neighborhood who is not um, super, super great at taking care of his yard. Uh, the lawn goes a little longer than it should before it gets mowed. Uh, he seems to uh, avoid chemical uh uh, you know, sprays and things like that, fertilizers to kill weeds and, and that sort of thing. And he has a lot of dandelions. Um, I think the guy's name's Jared. I can't remember for sure. But I uh, was was I, I was noticing that when I pulled into his driveway today uh, that there were a lot of dandelions. And I thought to myself, that's beautiful because dandelions are our friends. Dandelions are amazing medicinal powerhouses and we need to quit spraying crap on them and killing them. Now, not everybody's going to want to hear that because they like a beautiful lawn. Uh, possibly this guy Jared's neighbors would not want to hear that because they don't love how his lawn looks. But Jared's taking a stand. He's not spraying dandelions. Okay, like so let's Jared. talk about why, why <laughs> we want to preserve our dandelions, pluck them out gently, and use them as medicine. First of all, the largest... Um crop that we water almost uselessly is grass and you see anyone eating right. grass right it's beautiful to look at but dandelion is actually no, it, go ahead well grass is legal in utah now anyway <laughs> if you have a condition and so that's cool but we don't need to be growing it in our yard we can go down to the dispensary and get that yeah stuff, right <laughs> yeah and dandelion grows just fine without all that sprinkling but it is a weed that's right and 
it, by the way, if you speak French and you know what Dan de Leon means, it's the tooth of the lion. So when you look at dandelion leaf, it's shaped serrated like a, a lion's tooth. So if you want to really sound smart to your neighbors and say, mom, I'll bet you don't know what dandelion means. Um, it's the leaf and it's edible and you can use it in salads. And, you know, of course I would wash it in case of Jared's dog peed on his dandelion and you decide to go pluck it off his lawn. It's a good idea to, to rinse it, but, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal edible and medicinal weed that people just snub at, unfortunately, but I'll turn it over to Nikita now to talk a little bit more about it. You know, my first encounter with dandelion was in Alice in Wonderland. If you can remember the little dandelions, they had the little faces and they had kind of like the lion face and the, you know, all the plants had their own personalities and stuff like that. And so that was a, that's probably where my love came for supplements, right? It was watching Alice in Wonderland. So another, just, I have to throw this out. Another kid's movie that I absolutely love was Fern Gully. And that totally explains where my love for the environment and recycling comes in. If you kids, if you have some kids and you want them to be little health hippies, have them watch Fern Gully. It was a great movie. So anyway, there could be some dandelions in there too. Who knows? But the thing with dandelion, um, I think where we sell it maybe most often, I could be wrong, but I think about diuretics a lot of times. So when we look at, um, we have a product called Water Away, for example, right? That's a more of a diuretic product. We typically have dandelion root in there because if we think about a diuretic, what does it do? It helps us excrete water throughout the body. It helps us excrete urine through our kidneys. And so oftentimes people could want a diuretic maybe because they're simply just I just feel really bloated right now, you know, for X, Y, and Z, maybe you take dandelion, maybe you're bodybuilding. This is something that I can speak to because you wouldn't tell looking at me now, but 10 plus years ago, I used to do bodybuilding. And before we would go and have a show, we had to take diuretics for days before to excrete that water out. So a lot of like competitive athletes, for example, like that will take that, uh, take a diuretic, for example, or um, my grandma, my grandma would always complain that her knees were so swollen and she'd push her knee and it looked like I was looking at a waterbed. It would like roll because there was so much water in there. So there's a lot of reasons why people might want to take a diuretic. I do not recommend anytime you take a diuretic that you would just take that daily. I don't think that would be very healthy ultimately, but certainly in times of need, it can absolutely be beneficial. Um, so that's one thing that personally for me sticks out when I think about dandelion, it's definitely it's diuretic properties. And also when you look at a diuretic, if for example, uh, like I said, the example, one of the products we happen to have is called water away and it's by one of our brands called Zao. But ultimately we have dandelion in there, but we also have things like potassium. And so when you are excreting a lot of um, urine through your kidneys, your kidneys are also what store your magnesium levels. So as an FYI, please make sure that you are, you know, taking extra potassium, uh, magnesium, sodium, different types of electrolytes, because if you are excreting more water, you're most likely pushing out some excess minerals throughout the body that are really needed. So it'd be a good product. Ultimately, I say this to either if you get it in a blend where they have added uh, electrolytes, that's great. Otherwise, a pair on a magnesium or pair on an electrolyte product if you're going to take that for a couple of days as well. So just my uh, FYI on that. A quick side note on that, too, for people listening, if you are dealing with excess uh, water retention, you're noticing that you've got swollen fingers or ankles or 
knees like your grandmother, Nikita, that kind of thing. That is one indicator many times that the body is giving you that you are actually dehydrated. It sounds a little counterintuitive uh, that we would be holding on to all this water and that would mean that we don't have enough water, but the body is trying to retain minerals that are in the water. It doesn't want to get rid of those electrolytes. I've helped a lot of people over the years just adding electrolytes to your water uh, can in many cases act as if you're on a diuretic, but without actually pushing any extra out and just rehydrating the system. So just a little side note there. On dandelion, I think for me, the thing that I love the most is the the property of uh, its assistance in detoxifying the body, specifically the liver and the kidneys. Uh, Max, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. It increases urine production. And there's so many people who, uh, you know, you hear they get kidney stones. And by taking dandelion, It'll help flush out your kidneys, prevent those buildups from happening. There's no specific amount known to be specifically medicinally beneficial. So any little bit is helpful. You typically see it in 500 milligram dosages, um, but it's been used forever, you know, discovered in Europe. Of course, the French claim the name Dandeleon and but pervasive throughout the world, mostly for urinary health, for kidney health. Uh, as a diuretic, that's really um, its claim to fame. For, for liver as well, one of the things that I had notated was that it also stimulates the production of bile, right? And ultimately with that, it's promoting the flow in digestion and detoxification, right? So as liver is pushing things out, the bile is kind of breaking it down and, and pushing it through the body. But we, we talk a lot about um, like phase one and phase two liver detoxification. That's such a crucial component of our health that we underestimate a lot of the times. Another traditional use that I want to throw out there for dandelion is as an herbal bitter. Uh, many people uh, have heard of bitters and wonder, you know, what grouping of herbs or or vegetables might fall into that category. And if you're not familiar with the concept of bitters, it's basically uh, if it tastes bitter on the tongue in many cases, uh, it will start to stimulate those digestive juices like what you just said, Nikita, with the bile. Um, And so dandelion, you know, Max, you mentioned putting it in a salad. I think that's pretty foreign to a lot of people, but it's actually a pretty common practice in a lot of places not called America. Uh, and uh, ought to probably get a little bit more into what we're doing over here. A, l- a couple of uh, dandelion greens in your salad, uh, you know, before you eat the rest of your meal can make a big difference in your ability to digest and assimilate the nutrition that's coming down after that. Yeah, on your avocado toast, you know, instead of arugula or in your favorite bitter salad, you'll get some dandelion and go forage it out of Jared's yard or whoever's and yeah, there's plenty here, uh, so that's not a problem. I don't I don't eat enough dandelion to keep up with the production, so the supply and demand thing is not an issue here at all. Plenty of supply, and if you want to come uh, forage it from my yard, feel welcome. My neighbors would appreciate it, I'm sure. And just oh, a so reminder. it is you. Oh. He admitted oh, it. Oh, sorry, Jared's yard. Oh, Jared, a different Jared. Wrong. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of us, but if you especially want, in Utah. If you want the diuretic properties and all the detoxification properties, it's the root. And most people don't it is the root, consume yes. the root, but eat the leaf. It's a great bitter. Uh, roots, I would look at uh, Solaray herbal products, you know, and, and we have it. 
in several forms. Yeah, dandelion root uh, in a in a, a capsule form. Uh, some people like to use the tea as well. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to go. Capsules taste a lot better than uh, the tea, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, okay, so let's move to another one that um, it's interesting. You know, I go back in time and I think about the things that we used to talk about years ago when um, I certainly was a lot less knowledgeable on this topic. And I think generally people just knew a lot less, you know, prior to the Internet and all that stuff. I know you don't remember those days from Nikita, but they existed. Hey, I did um, actually grow up without that. OK, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Um, so one called Go to Cola. And because of that second name, uh, a lot of people are under the impression that this has a bunch of caffeine in it. It's often used in uh, supplements that are designed to give a little bit of energy. And so that also uh, puts a little bit of emphasis on that. But what, what can you tell us about Gotacola? I'm going to start just with one thing. When So now, of course, I'm in innovation and in education. But when I started with our company eight years ago, I started in sales. And we used to make our we used to make books all the time. So we have herbal books and a ton of really cool books. And I would used to do this thing in sales called an herb a day, where I'd open up, I'd just flip the book to whatever page, whatever herb came up, I'd study the herb out, and then I'd go around to my health food stores and teach all the employees that herb for the day. And go to cola was one of them. And so I was I always try to think of like fun ways to remember things. I do that a lot with mushrooms. I do that with a lot with herbs as well. But one of the things with the go-to cola that that came to my mind is because it's Ayurvedic, ultimately, and because it's an adaptogen, okay? And when we think about that, just for those who aren't familiar, adaptogen is exactly what it sounds like. It helps your body adapt to the environment you're in. If you're in a stressful state, it's going to bring you back to a normal state, an equilibrium. So when I think of go-to cola, I think I need to go to this product when I've drank cola, <laughs> Because if I drink cola or Coca-Cola, right, your body's like, oh, it's caffeine. I'm like stimulated. I'm My stress levels are probably up. I'm kind of all over the place. So I would go to this product in order to help calm my body and bring my stressful states down. So that's just like a fun way to kind of remember it is go to cola is you go to this product if you drink cola, right? If you're in a heightened state, because again, it's an adaptogen, which ultimately is going to help balance out your levels of stress. So anxiety and stress... I've really always been a category that I used that I have trained on it for, though it has a ton of other benefits like cognitive benefits as well. But certainly an adaptogen, I think of for promoting stress and ultimately promoting a sense of calm um, in it. So that, that's kind of been my favorite thing. Max, do you have a way that another one that you'd like to sell it for? Or That's memorable. And I love that. And um, I do something I'm known as uh the food game guy, you know, at my house, I love to have, uh, to gather the kids and have them try different things and go to cola. I had a herbal tincture of it and it was the most bitter thing in the world. Okay. So that's how I'd, I'd make my kids try it just so they knew what something really bitter. Of course, now there's berberine, which is probably more bitter than go to cola, but I just think of it as, you know, cognition. Um, it helps sharpen our mind, increase cognitive function, memory, concentration. Um, there's an active in it uh, that can be extracted out of Gotokola. Um, it's an acid called azeotycoside. It's very interesting, um, but that is the active property in Gotokola. So studies suggest that this compound will promote uh, you know, brain health, cognitive function, 
but always more research needed there specifically on how it works. Well, one thing too, and this will tie right into the the last herb that we're going to talk about today. But uh, I remember back uh, years ago when it was actually Solaray, your company, that came out with a extract of Gotacola called Centella Asiatica, um, which is the, of course, the the botanical name for Gotacola, right? And I'd never heard of Centella Asiatica except I'd heard of Gotacola. I just didn't know it was the same thing. But what I was started reading at that point was how impressive the research was on circulatory uh, health, and uh, which is why I think a lot of people believe that it does work in the brain so effectively, moving more blood and oxygen into the brain, that kind of thing. But also, uh, it started finding its way into supplements specifically for uh, the prevention of things like spider veins or varicose veins or things like that because of what it does for blood flow and circulation. And so that as we go into the next uh, herb, horse chestnut, such a great name for an herb, uh, those go hand in hand. Is that, am I, am I right on that? Yes, yes, for blood flow, absolutely. In fact, you're thinking of the Solary product we called Centella vein to help with yes. deep uh-huh. vein thrombosis. So absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, that's great memory, Jared. So it's helping your mind. And- that's good. I've been using my go to call right. <laughs> yeah, and, and dandelion. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, yeah. So so then, so if you've got go to cola uh, in the mix for these all these different things, and and of course it is an adaptogen, and I would say go to cola more often than not is used in conjunction with other herbs. It's often in in different formulas. I believe you guys have it in. Uh, I think it's in some of the sharp mind formulas. Perhaps is that accurate? What have I seen it in in uh, some of your formulas? Refresh my memory. Um, obviously as a straight herb and centelevane, uh, we've had it as a whole herb, as an extract, you know, Solaray's had as many as over 15,000 different products in its history. And, uh, mm-hmm. we have about a thousand today. So we like to be very nimble and agile and launch things. And then if consumers understand them and stick to them, we keep making them. But like any business, you have to produce what, uh, sells. And if everybody knew what you did, Jared, uh, they would be buying more herbs. That's for sure. (laughs) I think the products that come to mind is either the horse chestnut on its own or the circuit legs or any of the other prior ones that Max mentioned. See, this is why I brought Max on because I was like, well, what if Jared asks about products from the 1950s? I got to ask Max, (laughs) right? I mean, how am I going to know this? I've only been here for eight years. So yes, but typically varicose veins in general, which my grandpa actually lives with me right now. I've been taking care of him from Hungary. I brought him over and he asked me like a month ago, Nikita, what do you have for varicose veins? And I was like, okay, grandpa wants it. Like it it brought it back to my attention to kind of focus on that. And I've been looking at even expanding that line for us. But ultimately, yes, horse chestnut, I would say is more commonly, you you could find, I think in topical products too, they have them uh, with like different creams and stuff that if you want to rub onto the varicose veins as well as taking it internally. So you can target it from both sides of it. But I mean, it has other anti-inflammatory benefits, but I think more than more often than not, it's the varicose veins that you're going to see it for. And so the Gotacola and the horse chestnut would both have properties there. What do we know in terms of the clinical trials that have been done on on horse chestnut? Because I know in the past I've read a few that were pretty impressive. Uh, Do you have some of that data with you to share? If, if, If you look at the National Institute of Health 
and that's something we see in this industry that you know well, Jared. A lot of companies aren't able or willing to invest in the research because they can't patent nature. But this is where the government actually does help us out in a, in a very positive way is, is they will invest in research for the general uh, edification of, of the people. And so there are some studies on the National Institute of Health on horse chestnut looking at joint pain, uh, some GI problems, some leg cramping, um, some bladder health issues, but mostly uh, for deep vein thrombosis, DVT, which is where you get that venous insufficiency because, you know, gravity is pulling your blood down and your heart's trying to pump it and you have these deep veins and that are trying to get it back up to the heart. And then when there's weight, it, it causes that swelling and you see those varicose veins start to pop and then the little spider veins. So um, yeah, there's been research, but I wouldn't uh, say that, you know, there's anything that's most recent. It's been mostly in the past. Yeah, I know that I, I uh, Jessica was helping me prepare a couple of uh, uh, bits of information and research on a couple of these, and I just noticed this as I was listening to you and kind of, kind of thumbing through what she printed, that there were apparently a couple of Cochrane reviews, which are considered as high a quality reviews as there are of the medical literature, uh, that showed that uh, horse chestnut specific to chronic venous insufficiency, which would lead to things like spider veins and and um, varicose veins uh, to be not just uh, a very effective treatment, but also uh, they found no safety concerns with it as well. So, so there's some pretty cool information out there, and and I I, I will say that um, over the years I've had some really interesting interactions with uh, customers at Vitality Nutrition specific to horse chestnut and Gota Cola. Um, with uh, spider veins and varicose veins. I had one customer I'll always remember. Um, he was very, um, very talkative, we'll say. He'd come in, he'd tell me all the stuff that he wanted to tell me and tell me what was going on. He says, hey, I've got this thing, Jared, I'm really curious, I want you to look at it. And he'd pull up his pant leg and pull down his sock and it was just above his ankle and he had about the size of a silver dollar, this deep purple spot. Uh, right there and it was it was almost a perfect circle and you could see little kind of spider veins kind of coming out of the edges of it uh, it almost looked like a planet uh, like a like somebody had tattooed a planet uh, or a purple sun on his ankle it was really interesting and I said you know I I, I don't do diagnostics here uh, but uh, what you know what does your doctor think and he said well I think it's he thinks that it's uh, akin to a varicose vein, but it's different. He didn't really know what to do about it, but probably something circulatory. And I said, well, I don't know, but I do know that there's some research on these two herbs uh, specific uh, to that. And in fact, it was the Circulex uh, formula that I uh, recommended to him, along with additional uh, Gota-Cola. And, um, and I also recommended a topical, something we don't have anymore. This is years ago, horse chestnut cream. And I said, you know, give these a shot for a couple of months. Uh, worst case scenario is they're going to be great for your vascular system. You're going to get some other kind of nice benefits. And yeah, maybe it'll help you with what you're showing me. So he comes in and I'm going to say maybe two months later, something close to that. And he says, Jared, you're not going to believe this. And you, you remember that thing I showed you on my leg? And he lifts up his pants and pulls down his sock and uh, shows it to me. And it's 
light purple. Same size, same shape, but much, much, almost like a faded tattoo at this point. And uh, a few months later, he shows it to me, and it's getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And the last time I saw it, uh, because I don't know if he stopped showing it to me or if I just haven't seen him since then, because it was a couple of years down the road, I remember, because I hadn't seen him in a while. He, he said, you got to see this thing. And I could barely make it out. It was almost like it was just completely faded and gone. Uh, so really interesting, you know, kind of a one-off anecdotal thing, but uh, fascinating to me. And it, he's not the only one that has told me he's had really great results with those two herbs in that specific department. So I wanted to share that too. That's what we'd live for. That's cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't we? Right. Uh, real world results from people not trying to sell us something. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So I really thought it was like just a punctured blood vessel or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? If it was like if it seemed on its own rather than connected through the vein system. Like, yeah, it was I, interesting. We could see some there himself. was definitely some vascular stuff there. And like I say, I mean, I'm 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 not a doctor and, and nor do I pretend to be one even on the radio. But uh, I did find it really, really fascinating. And he was so excited. Uh, he thought it was the coolest thing because he thought he was just kind of stuck with this thing forever. And apparently not. So we have run up, unfortunately, against our clock, though. And so I am going to have to cut this thing off. We did get through the primary herbs that we wanted to get through here today. And I'm going to just tease this really quickly to you listening about two weeks from the time, in fact, exactly two weeks from the time that this show airs, uh, we will have another episode with these same two guests all about herbs of calm. So if you're finding yourself now, we talked about saffron today, which could be considered an herb of calm. We talked about skeletium today, which could be considered an herb of calm. We're going to go kind of old school. We're going to talk about some herbs that all of these herbs have been around forever, but that have been on the market for a long, long time. We're going to dig into the history of some of these herbs. We're going to go into some herbs that have been in traditional medicine for over 5,000 years on that episode. And I'm really excited to bring that to you. So if you found this episode informative, uh, stay tuned. Two weeks from now, you'll get another one. And we're going to talk all about herbs to help you chill out. Uh, Max, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Jared. Always I'll learn and, from you. Uh, interesting tidbits and deep science and knowledge on these subjects. So thank you. Well, love to have you on the show. It's good to have you back. It's been too long. Nikita, thank you for joining us as well. Always, always. Until All right. Next and I'm going to. Yeah. And we're two weeks from now. You'll get to hear these voices again. If And I have to say this, and I'm going to tell you to this, Max and Nikita, if that next show, if the downloads are substantially lower, it's on you. OK, <laughs> so uh, I'll let you know how the numbers look. We'll make sure that people actually like this. But I will say that in the past, people have been very complimentary of the shows in which the two of you have guested. So I'm sure we're going to do just fine. I'm going to have to wrap it up because we're out of time. I am Jared St. Clair. Uh, I appreciate you listening to me every week. I appreciate you putting up. This is for my neighbors with the dandelions in the yard. It is what it is. And if you have questions, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 or jump on vitalitynutrition.com. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. 
In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.